0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast. This is Brandon Archer, and I appreciate you tuning in and listening to what I have to say. I pray it's been a blessing to you. Thank you so much for coming back and listening again uh, to the to the new episode. And you know what? I want to ask you just share, share, um, you know, subscribe, like, give it to a friend, give it to a neighbor, give it to somebody that you like, give it to somebody you don't like just just share it. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But anyways, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I pray this today's message is going to bless you. It's going to encourage you. And also, I believe it'll give you a stronger position uh, where we're at right now in our society. Before I get into it, I want to sh- uh, pray and then I want to share a story. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for um, friends and family and people. I thank you for everything that you've provided for us. God, I thank you for your truth. I ask that your truth would be the thing that we would desire to live from, that we would desire to want to know and understand, that we would seek uh, and know, to know you, to know your heart, to know what you think about cer- certain things, to what your heart is speaking, and uh, ha- what your standard is for our life, so that we can live to the fullest, not only that, but that we could have what you promised that your kingdom brings righteousness, joy, and peace in your Holy Spirit. That we would truly rejoice, truly have peace, and have right standing with you in our everyday operation and, and everyday, in and everything we do, God, we would do to bring you glory. So we love you. We, we thank you. I pray blessing over people. I pray. Uh, protection over them if they're driving if they're walking if they're just sitting god i pray that your hand would be upon their life lord i pray there be a supernatural energy that would come upon their heart and their mind uh after they listen today god that they would leave it with an unction uh, an inspiration to to be great for you god to want to do something wonderful for you god to take a stand for what you stand for in jesus name amen all right so uh be when i got saved back in 2000 i was living in studio city california and um interesting enough we my mom got a house in north hollywood which was off of ventura and a little up off of uh, not ventura was it ventura or vineland i can't remember if it was i think it was vineland um yeah off of vineland up in north hollywood and the church was off of Ventura and Vineland. It was called In His Presence Church. My sister started going to this church and found it and then was introducing kind of my her family to it. And I ended up going and being ministered to in a pretty cool way because I was just listening to everything the pastor was saying and it was like hitting home. And this is, I was in my 20, I just turned 20 or I had, you know, I was just like kind of in my 20s and I was living a life of just partying and doing my own thing and, you know, living my life to work, to just go party, you know, work during the week, the weekends, it was party time, really no purpose, really no direction. And then God broke into my life, showed me who he was and changed my life. And this church was the tool that God used to bring me to him. And it's really cool because the pastors there, Pastor Mel and Desiree, Eyre, are some of the coolest people. I've kind of stayed in touch with them over the years. It's been over twenty years now, but they're still going. They're in Woodland Hills now, and they're on fire. Radical uh, people get saved there, left and right every Sunday. I would say somebody the, people are getting coming to the Lord. They're great discipleship uh, pastors. They're just they're just awesome, awesome people. And every year, Pastor Mel would teach a series called The Untouchables. So this is my first experience with the church. I mean, my I kind of grew up around church, but I never really went to church. This church I started going to. I went to church every Sunday. And I think they had like Friday night as well that we would go to. And it was fun. And even during the week when I really got involved, I was, at, I was probably at this church maybe two to three times a week uh, during the week. And it was a blast. But anyways... Uh, to get back on topic, Pastor Mel would teach a message called the untouchables and he would deal with issues like homosexuality. He would deal with uh, racism. He would deal with abortion. He would talk about all the things uh, that, you know, society kind of tells you, you can't talk about these things. If you're a Christian, you know, it's not your job to worry about it. You politics and Christianity don't mix. You can't be political and be a Christian and, uh, I just wanna say that that's a bunch of baloney and it's actually not biblical, okay? The Bible itself is very political. The Bible is a book about rulers and kings, righteous ones and unrighteous ones, and ultimately about the, the king of kings and Lord of lords, right? The one who's in, in charging and ruling everything, uh, but for some reason, in the church, we have this kind of where, where uh, it came in with the separation of church and state, right? And what was that really about? It was about, hey, church, you go do the stuff. Give to the poor. We'll support you. We'll give you money. We'll give you special tax breaks. You just go feed the poor, do the nice things for people that are struggling, and don't and keep your eyes off of what's going on over here in the government. In the ones that are ruling in the nation. Don't don't be concerned with what's going on here. And what they did is they removed the light, right? The church is the lighthouse. It's supposed to be where the law of God is proclaimed, the truth of God, God's morals, God's uh, ways of doing things, his heart. And they removed that from, they separated it. So now you have a system that's operating in the dark, right? There's no they don't get up they're not like worshiping god they're not practicing they don't have a church there you know some presidents who include pastors and church you know have have some sort of uh foundation there then you do see some of that operating there but for the most part the whole separation came and then we saw some things happen in our laws in our government that shifted things in a in not a good way and it's continued to be that way to the point of where now it's like oh my gosh what's going on and you can see it But I don't believe that Christians are supposed to be aloof or detached from politics. When I say politics, you think, oh, politicians and politicians are liars and, you know, who cares what they say? You can't trust them. I'm talking about legislation, right? People who are creating laws and uh, people who are putting things in place for you and I who are Americans, okay, we can be Christian and American. And in our country, we have... A freedom right now to have a voice. In fact, in the Constitution, it says we are what a, a, by the people for the people, right? For the people, by the people, whichever way it goes. It's a nation under God, indivisible, right? Um, one nation under God. So here you have this doctrinal statement of how we're going to live as a country, one nation, individual, under God, right? A government for the people, by the people. So the ones who are in authority in our land, in America, the reason why it's unique is that the people actually have the power. We vote. We have been given the authority of how we, how our country and what happens in it isn't really the responsibility of the leaders. It's the responsibility of the people because the people choose the leaders. So when you have people quoting to you Romans 3 and you just have to sit and you just have to take it and whatever the the government dictates to you, that's the way it is. No, 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 no. That's not the way it is. That's the way some of the people who are corrupt and wicked would want to get you to believe because the majority is actually what rules. That's why you have so much uh of the news media if you were to look at at the majority of what people in our country believe and you were to sift out a lot of the nonsense even people who don't believe in god let's say people who are don't have a, a side right republican democrat you have independents you would see a lot of them have similar desires we want to live in a country that's free. We want to live in a country that's prosperous. We want to be able to work and do and, and have the freedom to choose the job we want. We want the freedoms to live and have peace and joy and not worry about somebody coming in, stealing, robbing, destroying, killing, Uh, evil, evil in the land, right? Most people, whether they believe in God or not, don't want corruption and chaos and high prices of gas, high prices in grocery stores, inflation, okay? You don't have to be a Republican or Democrat. Even Democrats, who are some of the reason why things are the way they are, would don't want higher to pay more money. So the interesting thing is that Christians have been so taught, right? And I do not understand this. I don't know where it comes from or why it's been passed down or somebody just heard somebody else say something, but that, oh, we, you know, God's still in charge. God's still in control and he's doing everything and you know what, you just come to church and pay your tithe and worship God and that's all you have to do. No, I don't agree with that. I'll never agree with it because it's garbage, it's hogwash. You're actually born again, filled with the Holy Spirit to be a voice and to be a light in the darkness. So when you take yourself out of the world in the sense of I'm not gonna have anything to do with it, I'm not gonna have a voice so when they start to legislate laws that actually take away your freedom, that actually corrupt and begin to teach your kids things that you wouldn't teach your kids at home and wanna in the schools almost tell the parents, no, you stay out of the school, we're gonna teach your kids what we want and you don't have a right telling us what to do. That is that is a a lie. It is against the constitution. It's against who we are as Americans in our culture of what we people died for for America of what men went to war to die so that we could have freedom. So don't tell me because I give my life to Jesus now, oh, that doesn't matter, focus on God. He's gonna come back for you one day. So just make sure you're holy and right, you don't do anything wrong, and then God's gonna come back and you won't have to go through any suffering, you won't have to deal with any of the problems, you're gonna be in heaven, you know, on a, on a freaking, uh, uh, on one of those lazy rivers, on a on a freaking uh, raft, just chilling out, sipping some heavenly sweet tea or something. It's like, no. That's not the truth. It's a lie from the pit of hell to keep you out of your place of authority. As an American, you have authority. Let's, let's just say Christianity, okay? Let's just say you don't have to be a Christian. You can be an American because you live in America. How about a responsibility to that? Okay, be responsible to God as a Christian to live your right life right, to worship the Lord and love him, but know that God cares about where you live and that he wants you to be in your in your society somebody who represents him so you can be a great american who's a christian who loves the lord who worships god and still have a voice for the things and that that represent his kingdom on the earth and to say that it doesn't it's not political is actually a farce it's a lie the very message of the gospel's political. Jesus came preaching of another kingdom. When you go to any kingdom and you're coming in saying, hey, there's another kingdom coming and and it's here now with you. I'm I'm a king on that. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why he went to the cross because he was preaching a message of authority and power. He even said to Pilate, he said, Look, I could if I wanted to, I could angels would come right now and rescue me. But he knew he had to die for a man's sin. Not come and bring war and destroy and take by in a, in a carnal way authority back, no, he took it from the devil who had it over the men who were ruling in the, in that in that era, and he said i ha, now we as Christians have authority to go out into the world God's authority to say no, righteousness and truth in the land at a price. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to stand for truth because it's who God is, and that's what he wants us to live for." So when I'm talking about politics, I'm not talking about politicians and, and, you know, all the stuff we see on TV and all the talking points. I'm talking about legislation of law and rule and what people dictate and tell you what, what you can and can't do as an American. When you have leaders who try to say they're in charge, then you know right away. They're, the, they're not the right leaders. Not only that, but they, they've got it misread. The reason why our leaders are in charge is because people give them that authority. So guess what, America, Americans, Christians, you have the right to take it back. You hire your president, you can fire your president. You hire your, your whatever school board, whatever it is, you can fire them if you don't agree. But what does it take? It takes a majority coming together in unity to say no, we're not going to take we're not going to take this. So what happens when when the corrupt people get the Christians to just buy the lie or Christians get the Christians to buy the lie that you don't have a voice, you don't have a place in society, don't worry about it, just let, you know, God's in control. Then then evil people will rule and you will lose your freedom and God will have nothing to do with it has nothing to do with him. He's not in control in that sense. He's giving you authority and you get to decide, okay? He's not saying, hey, don't worry. I'll take care of the school. I'll do everything for you. No, he's raising up men and women to to be a voice on the earth, to take a stand. You know why we even have a a freedom in America is because men took a stand, okay? And I believe with God and gave their life for us to be free in this land. So you're going to have to pay a price to keep your freedom in this land. God's not giving you when you come to know him, oh well, now you're free, right? Go ask China, go ask another country. Go ask North Korea if there's any Christians that are even allowed to stay there. They're not. They they'll kill you. They'll they'll get rid of you. Or any Muslim nation that will will cut your head off if you're a Christian. So if it was about you coming and getting to know Jesus and then all of a sudden you having freedom, it doesn't exist. You have to take a stand in the natural for what's right. And even the martyrs in those other countries who have taken a stand for the truth of God's word and, and morality and what God is representing and die for him, their reward is great in heaven. I believe that. Okay, but in America, don't buy the lie that you don't have a voice. If that's the case, don't be surprised when they're cutting your head off when they're asking you, do you believe in God because it's coming, and if you just buy the lie of like you know just just you know what just don't worry about what's going on out there you just come in and focus on God and have no, no voice and nothing to say, then it's going to come quick quicker than you think when they come and take your freedom from you so I just want to encourage people to understand. You know, as Americans, we have rights because men and women died for them. And it's written into our Constitution. It's written into uh, our laws. And they're trying to change it. They're trying to uh, shift it and take away our history, take away uh, the great history we have. Some of it's dark and very sad. But... It's there. It exists, and it's what makes it greater because we've overcome and come through that, and have changed and shifted, not for more ungodliness, but for righteousness. So the first thing I want to talk about in this untouchables top topic is the whole, you know, LGBTQ LBC ABCDEFG community, right? And I don't. I'm not trying to mock. I just I don't know all the letters. I know there's a lot of them. But what I'm trying to say is that this movement, which is a movement, which is a force, it's a force of some of coming and saying, "Look, our truth is more important than your truth, and it's going to rule in the land." Which let's get down to the to the root of what this is. Okay, homosexuality, whether it's a man or a woman, isn't about love. Okay. If it was about love, it was about a, uh, just loving one another, then you could have somebody of the same sex, okay, that you love, that you like, that you think is a great person, admire them. Okay. It has to move past that to be now sexual, homosexuality, not homo naturality. It's homosexuality because it's now a sexual issue with a man wanting to sexual, sexualize another man, getting off and getting some sort of sexual satisfaction off the same sex or a woman. So we try to like convolute and really like avoid the root, but let's just get to the basic fact of why it's an issue. And it's not just homosexual, it's heterosexual, uh, has the same lust problem, right? Now, when a man and a woman fall in love, they get together. Whatever there, there's an attraction, and there. there's a sexual attraction as well that goes along with that. Now, what homosexuals do is they take that and they put that on the same sex, and then they say it's right, it's it's okay, it's what I want, it's the way it's supposed to be for me, and it's truth. When God in the Word, okay, not men, men aren't saying and this. This issue goes back what thousands of years. I think it's older than anybody alive right now. You go back to uh the days of Noah, right? They they were perverted the the um Babylon or or where when Lot was in uh, uh Sodom and Gomorrah. And that city was destroyed. There was rampant sexual immorality like out on the streets, like people just 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 debased like a dog like like animals. Right? Which is corrupt which is evil in God's eyes. God's the standard we're talking about, his righteousness, his purity, holiness. And here's an example of what I'm talking about. If you go back to the 1970s in New York City, in Times Square, a picture of, go study what it was like in the 70s, in a certain era, and look at it now, where now it's like tourists, it's like Main attraction, there's all this like expensive stores. There's all this, uh, you know, people you want to spend your money, go to Times Square. You want to be a tourist and take pictures and look at all the lights and fancy. It's like it looks like a, like a, like a, basically like a, yeah, tourist spot. Back then, it was not that way. In the 70s, it was a cesspool. It was a sex. uh, Basically, they had places you could go and peek in. On like a, you put a quarter in a machine and you could see nude nude women. You could see you could uh, prostitutes everywhere, pimps and and uh, drugs and clubs that were sex clubs and just total debauchery. You nobody went down there unless you wanted to get robbed. Uh, you have to be with friends. It was it's it was a place that you did not want to go unless you were a sexual deviant perverted person trying to go somewhere let us let's say it was the Sodom of in Gomorrah of New York at the time. And then somebody came in. I don't know which mayor. I would maybe it was Giuliani, whatever. Things shifted. The city changed some rules. laws were put in the land, and it changed. Now you can go be out in the streets. and I don't know one hundred percent now because I'm not a New Yorker, but if you ask anybody that lives in New York and is history, they know the difference it's a dras a drastic difference so that's the example of what our society will be like if you just let sexuality be the thing that rules the land sexuality was never meant to be the thing that all of our lives are built around you god didn't say here i'm giving you sex so that now it becomes the god in the center of your focus so now you, you know your main concern is how are you going to basically have sex or be sexual in your life no we have to have self-control temperance integrity character Uh, another example of you know using as a a, um a contrast right or not a contrast how would you say it anyways like so let's say finances let's say finances were, were sexuality so somebody gives you a bunch of money And you are irresponsible with that money, and you just blow it, and you have no money at the end of the day, and you're busted. That's your responsibility on how you spent that money. You were responsible to to be disciplined and diligent to know how and what to do, what not to do, but instead, you just let your desires, you went out and were foolish with it, you blew it, and now you ain't got nothing, right? Right? Well, same thing with your sexuality. You can be irresponsible and let it run and rule your life and it destroy your life and destroy society. So homosexuality, when you get down to the root, is a sexual issue. It's, a, it's the desire to want to be uh, sexual in an unnatural way, in a way that's, that doesn't honor God, that doesn't even include him in the scenario. Okay. That's the Christian view of homosexuality. Homosexuals view is it's love. It's about relationship. And I just want to be with a man because uh, I love them. Well, if that was the case, then you can love a man, or if you're a woman, love a woman and not have sex involved. Don't have the sexual immoral part involved. Don't be perverted. And a lot of times the amount of men, the, the the way that it's it's broken down is, it's very unhealthy. It's like, you know, you had prostitutes or or uh, you know loose women in high school, girls that had issues or daddy issues that slept with every man or every boy that gave them the attention. Right? It was a sexual issue. They they equated sex with love, and that's not truth. Okay. When you're married and you have intimacy with a woman. It can be very um, incredible, and it's supposed to be in its right context. In, but when you take it and you put it outside, it's just an act. It's like it, it loses its depth and its value. It becomes cheap. It becomes, and not only that, but the, here's the power of it, and it ties into another topic I'm going to talk about. Let's talk about abortion, right? Where does where where do babies come from? people having sex. So the issue isn't the aborted baby, it's the people having sex that caused the issue. So you can't address abortion without addressing the fact that, hey, learn how to uh, be diligent, be responsible with this power that's been given you to create life. That is a powerful thing. Think about the power that a man and a woman have to procreate, to bring forth a child, a life into this world with its own voice, its own personality, its own heart. It's, you know what I'm saying? It could be an incredible human being in life. And we have the power because God has put it in us to create another life. So don't you think our society should have more respect and teach our children and teach in our schools People respect this this thing called sexuality, not just, hey, guys, this is how the birds and bees, you have a pee-pee, she has a, a, a vagina or a penis, a vagina, and this is how babies are made. Now, don't go do it because unless you have money and you can take care of them, you don't want to have babies, right? We have this very cheap, no depth, no respect for it, and we teach our children very little about it. God forbid that that's our society because you have wickedness. There's no light in in the land because they've tried to separate it. So now you have these people who want to be in leadership and want to be somebody, but they got no Holy Spirit. They got no light in them. So what do they do? They create laws that are are, uh, horrendous. They want to introduce, oh, you're right. You, You want to be a woman even though you're a man? Okay, we need to teach our kids how to accept... The man who's having a a, a, a mental crisis and, and really a mental illness in his life who thinks he's a woman and now we got to teach our children that that's more important than the fact that hey, no, he's perverted and he actually wants to sleep with another man and do something inappropriate and really if you want to teach him, put something where it shouldn't go, all right, and it'd be very perverted. That's what we should be teaching our kids, not watering it down like, oh, his feelings are hurt. No, let's actually talk about what the guy does in the dark and where his where his sexual uh, prowess or whatever you want to call it, that, that desire that, that gets to live and breathe in the darkness when nobody's watching. Because that's what's evil and that's what needs to be talked about. That's what needs to be taught. Stay away from this because if you don't, it produces this in your life. And people who are victims, because there's people out there who have been victims, will victimize, right? So a lot of times people who struggle with homosexuality, who struggle with transgender stuff, if you go down to Roots, you can find some sort of attachment to where they were abused, they were in an appropriate situation, or they were taught inappropriate doctrine. And doctrine is just, you know... Foundations of how to believe on how you would apl- ap- apply things in your life. Rules and, and laws and regulations. Brushing my teeth every day before I go to bed and when I get up is a doctrine so that my teeth are healthy. Making my bed so that my room's clean is a doctrine. Right? Paying my bills on time is a doctrine. Saving money is a doctrine. Having... uh. Premarital sex is bad, is a doctrine. That being a bad thing can be a doctrine, right? You uh, being over at a friend's house who is wanting to do something inappropriate and they're the same sex and they want to, they're trying to do something, like they, that's wrong. And if you teach your children what's right, then they'll know, hey, what are you doing? That's wrong. Just like if you were to have, uh, an older boy try to molest a younger or an adult molest a child or an uncle do something inappropriate with the niece or the nephew. These are wrong things. And so when we teach our children sin and what it is, then when it comes up, they don't have to be victimized to it. And then all of a sudden have it mess with their identity. Now that all of a sudden they are this thing because we got to make an excuse, right? Well, I'm just, I'm gay. I'm a home. I-, I love I love men because I'm gay or I love women because I, you know, when I was a child, you know, in our, you know, scale of beauty in our society is so twisted where you have women who are born and they're not as beautiful as the cover girl magazine. So now they don't, you know, they don't get the attention or the love that other women do. And the next thing you know, that, that woman thinks they're a boy and they don't. So, Hey, I know guys like me anyways. I might as well like girls and try to be a guy for a girl. Then I can get love and 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 have sexual gratification that way because i can't get it any other way we know there's reasons why people have these identity struggles okay it's not just poof all of a sudden or you know a little baby comes out <laughs> and uh all of a sudden like you see the little baby looking at another little baby boy and being like oh that that doesn't happen okay i don't care what kind of garbage you try to put out there it's a lie. Okay, children they have their different personalities and their inclinations, but they also are very susceptible in that time to take on identity by what you by what you allow them to experience or what you put in front of them. Or, or the way you respond to certain things. I I'm not I I don't get real weird with my kids when if something happens or they're exposed to something or whatever. I don't go, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Don't, don't, don't watch that. Whatever. That's wrong. And, and be all like rigid and rigid religious on them. Because then they're going to be like, oh my gosh, what the heck with this thing? And then it gives them this weird view of it. I try to be very calm and approach it from a perspective of giving them understanding of why this is wrong or why that's bad and, and the reason. And let them have freedom to choose in their own heart whether they're going to submit under that truth or not. And if they don't, being their parent, while they're with me, then I have a certain level of authority I can exercise in their life. But I'm not forcing anything on my children. And I'm definitely not. Nowadays you see it in the news, you see it in articles of parents who are almost educating and forcing on their children to be transgendered. It's so bizarre. Our schools, the statistics now you have kids who are having these crisis at a certain age when, you know what, you weren't supposed to have a crisis until you're in your 40s, right? Like the midlife crisis, that was the crisis time. When you're in your midlife, you're like, oh, where am I at in my life? What's going on? You have this midlife like meltdown. But now we're giving kids opportunities to have a, a gender crisis at five and six and seven years old and somehow then equipping them with the, well, you have an option. Do you want to be a him, her, she, him, them? Do you want to be a dog or a cat? It's like It's so ridiculous. And who's going to stand up and be a voice against the grain if it's not the church, the righteous, the ones who love the Lord? How are we going to just ignore all that and let it change to where now we're just even more trying to create a bubble and have the world hate us? No, we're supposed to take a stand in love and truth To a place of where they realize, no, you don't get to shove lies into our throat and our mouth and say it's truth. We know it's not truth because you can go back in history and study it out and look at the societies that had no God and were godless and had these sexual things running rampant in the land. And they've been destroyed. They've been utterly destroyed. So to allow for our country as Americans to just be hijacked because or as Christians I'm spe- specifically talking from a place of uh, as Christians right because we're supposed to be a light in the darkness we're supposed to be a voice um and have a voice okay we're not we're not here shutting our mouth and not speaking truth right if somebody's out there saying the new law is if you're uh, over the age of 15 and anybody under the age of, uh, let's say, 55, and you want to have a relationship together, it's legal now. Yay, let's stamp and approve that. Pedophile, we're, we're going to ha- make room for pedophilia and people to, to have uh, relationships with children. Why? Because they love them. Because they're, they're, they're in love with the child. They really love them. No, garbage. Lies from the pit of hell. Sexual impurity. Sexual, uh, sick, perverted people. Okay, that are that are allowed to just live in perversion because there is no laws or consequences that tell them otherwise. And what they got to suppress it, they got to repress it. Well, well, yeah, that's why you have jail cells for men who can't control themselves and do things to people inappropriately. That's why you have a, a jail for for those people. Unfortunately, they don't get to go free, and now we're gonna make it comfortable for them to live in society. And our children just have to like be careful now. Nowadays, you don't even want to leave your kids anywhere alone, because you feel like everyone's some sort of sicko out there. And then they're like, "Hey, let's invite them into the bathrooms where everybody takes, you know, in, in a place of privacy for a man and a woman." And let's just say, "Hey, it's open to everyone." And now you're seeing it in. <laughs> Okay, God is the one who created the law and, and created us. I think we should listen to him more than to other people and their opinions. Right? Let's take a man who is built like a man, strength of a man, and because now he says he's a woman, let's put him on a, a, a woman's basketball team and let him compete with another woman. And, and and that be like like somebody going, Yeah, that's okay, that's all right. Like where does it where do people just lose their mind to go? Look, it's not even about like his feelings at this point. It's about natural like law and reality. Okay, there's some tough chicks out there that can put up a fight and probably beat some dudes up. No doubt. Ronda Rousey, some fighters out there kick my butt, kick a lot of a lot of dudes butts for sure. She's trained. She's she's got she can take care of business. So I'm not trying to say there're not some tough women. But for the most part, there are Men are stronger, the Bible even says it, in their makeup than women for a reason, because God created it that way. Doesn't mean women can't have a voice and be strong. It means that she's not supposed to compete with a man. If that was the case, then let's have men and women's basketball and then statistically let's see who wins or any sport right? Even lifting weights. You might have one or two there, but for the most part, you're going to see the way God designed it is going to speak truth more than people's deceptive and lies that they want to throw out there. And you see it now where people try to cover up the truth. They try to hide the truth. So kind of my soapbox here. But there are, there are truths there that are being hidden from society. And when you do that, when you, hide, when you try to hide the light, then darkness is allowed to reign. Darkness And darkness produces of its own kind. And you'll see it in our society. You'll see t- the s- statistics of things change. When things go south, when there's unemployment, when prices go up, crime goes up. Murder goes up right? Evil is allowed to rule in the land. So what do you do? You find leaders who are righteous, who have a heart after God's precepts and laws, or a heart after some sort of morality, okay? You don't even have to be religious with it. Just have some morality that, that lines up with God's truth. Like, find some people like that, right? Find some leaders who can lead and we wanna employ those people. We wanna say, Hey, we want you guys and we're gonna pay you with our tax dollars so you can rule and you can set legislation. Not find some busted, you know, people who are corrupt, people that are greedy, people who wanna stay in office and make it a way to self enrich, uh to be to, to make money off of people and, and be super wealthy because they because they're trying to use the system for their benefit. While everything else goes to hell in a handbasket, everything else goes to hell. You know what I'm saying? They don't care about the people, they're politicians. A statesman cares about the people, he's in it for the people. A politician is in it for the money and the power. And you can look, just give it time and give it track record. How many? That's why people can't trust politicians. And that's why you hear in the churches, oh, well, let's not get into politics. Because when you talk about politics, you have to talk about politicians, and you see so much corruption, so much hypocrisy, changing what they say here, changing, and not no, no character, no sol- solidarity, no uh, integrity, to where the church doesn't even want to associate because then they have to associate with corrupt people. And unfortunately, that doesn't give us an excuse. We need to associate. We need to be the voice. We need to raise up leaders, raise up people within the church that have a passion to go into politics, not for the money, but to be a statesman, to be the man and woman of God. A guy, example I can think of is uh, the guy who's the worship leader out of Bethel. He's got the long blonde hair, um, Sean Foyd, I think his name is. He wants to be, a, he wants to be in politics. He wants to ma- be a voice in this hour for change and for righteousness. We need more people like that to rise up and to have a voice, not get people just settled in. Hey, just make money, tithe. And and this is the type of church model that I, I'm telling you right now. Oh, I have like a, a I want to like just bust it wide open. Is getting Christians to come in, tithe, give money, make the pastor the superstar. He's rich. He's lit, He's driving the nice cars. He's super wealthy. But yet they're just coming in, doing the daily grind, doing serving the Lord, serving in the church. You know, cleaning the bathrooms, what doing the service while this guy comes in is the hot shot, preaches the message, and then he goes home, has all the comforts and lavish lifestyle, but nobody in his church is radical in doing anything for Jesus. They just come to church and make sure his little kingdom and his little world is comfortable and productive and healthy. Now, if you're a leader in a church, the evidence of your ministry should be the radical, People that are in your church making and affecting the outside world, the peop the outside of the walls of the church for God's glory and his kingdom. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. That is the calling. That is the calling to ministry. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? making sure the church bathrooms are clean, making sure uh, when there's something hard to do, you got people who will work for free for you. That's the work of the ministry. Hey, everybody, we got to do something in the church. It's going to cause, It's going people got to move stuff. And the pastors, he's too busy going out and having nice lunches while he, he needs some people to come together and move stuff and do the hard work. Uh, do we have anybody who can serve God and be in ministry? No, see, this is the nonsense that we teach in church today. And I'm not saying that you, you're you not there to serve the ministry that you're a part of and the church you're a part of. You are there to serve. You should move those chairs, clean the bathroom, do the ushering, do the greeting, do it with a heart as unto the Lord and, and for that church, because the church needs those things. But if that's all you're, that's all you're there for... You don't have any pastoral oversight in your life. You don't have any equipping to for you to, to be discipled and ministered to and raised up to go out and to make an impact in the world that you're not leading people to Jesus. You're not seeing other people discipled. You have people who are in their 50s, 60s. They have no younger people. They're discipling, raising up in the word, raising up in the Bible, teaching them how to go out and affect and change in their world. Then then you are you are a part of that Leo to see a last day's church of of the of the systematic politician, like the politician who has a position and doesn't want to lose it and wants to make sure he can keep his money coming in, make it all make it all sweet for him, while everybody else is doing all the work and no ministry is being done other than what on a Sunday when we when we do worship when when we sing to Jesus. When people are getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, when people who are in addiction, when you see the, the the guy who was the crackhead on the street, where was this testimony the other day? Where was I? Oh yeah, I was watching a Rodney Howard Brown. This is one of the reasons why I love this man. And everybody wants to say, oh, the laughing preacher and have all this, you know, think he's crazy. I followed him for 20 years. I respect him so highly. Okay, he's got a a, a young black man who was living on the streets, a homeless man, drug addict. And they went up to him, they witnessed to him, they invited him to church. He he came one day, completely had a turnaround. They kept going after him, ministering to him. He kept coming back eventually. And now the guy, his life is completely, he's given his life to the Lord. He's not living on the streets anymore. His life has changed. He's actually out there on the streets preaching the gospel. He's, he's actually being successful in business. His life is totally turned around. And he's not just turned around for his benefit. He's now taking his life and saying, I wanna, I wanna do the same thing that was done for me. I wanna go out now and tell people about Jesus. This is the fruit of ministry of Christianity. These are the things we need to prop up and lift high. That's the one who gets the honor is the ones who you see the evidence in their lives of God's goodness and his grace and his mercy. And yeah, granted, all of us come the same way. We all have to come to Jesus. But if we just come to Jesus and then 10 years go by, five years go by, we don't ever lead anybody to Jesus. We're never telling anybody about the Lord. That should be such a weight on us of God, help me, help me, change me, change me, God, change my heart. Give me boldness, Lord. I know that I'm called to more than just being a part of a club. I'm, I'm called to more than just coming to a church and propping up somebody else's vision and dreams so that they can be wealthy and, and rich and have comforts in life and do great things and, and never lead anybody to Jesus in my own life. In fact, it's a detriment to our society to go to a church like that. Why? Because those churches aren't producing Christians. They're producing after their own kind, which I believe is not a a healthy biblical version of what God has called us to produce. We should be producing people who are going out and winning people to the Lord and people who can step into their own ministry and see them succeed in the thing that they feel they're called to do for God. And our job is to help them attain that as as leaders, as, as a senior pastor or overseer of a church, a bishop, whatever you want to call it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So if we want to see change in our country, change in our society, then we have to Go after, what are we teaching? What is the example we're setting for our children? What are we allowing them to be um, subjected to? What are we allowing them to believe is okay and is right? What are we teaching them? How are we teaching them to love? How are we teaching them to sacrifice? How are we teaching them discipline and that it takes discipline to be successful in life? So all these these issues I talked about today, they are prevalent in our society. They are real issues. Um, I kind of shot by the hip today, but I believe what I'm speaking is coming from a place of sincerity in my heart, and it's what I believe to be the truth. We want people to be accepted for who they are, right? Because of god and his purpose on their life there might be people who are broken there might be people who maybe aren't the best uh in their character or their integrity they need help they need other people to come in and to help them see that but if their position is to try to force and shove into your face and make what's immoral make what's not right make what's corrupt and shove it in your face and say it's right it's truth then we as Christians have to stand up and take a stand for God. You can't let evil and evil spirits and and demonic forces rule in your life and in other people's lives, and then somehow they, all of a sudden they're the truth, and you just lay down and let it happen, like you ain't got no authority, you ain't got no fight in you. You have a fight. You have a calling. You have a purpose. To to stand for the Lord. To stand for truth. And if you think standing for truth is some, you know, well, I'm going to be like Jesus who just, you know, he didn't do anything. Like, you should go back and study the Lord. He was righteous. Not only that, but go and study who's coming back. He's coming back. And he's coming back as a righteous judge. He's coming back as a a warrior on a horse. So there there is a warrior called the man and woman of God, the Holy Spirit-filled Christian. And it's not a warrior of the flesh where you're going with carnal means to fight fights and punch people or, you know, cause some sort of violence. No, it's violence in the spirit. It's violence of truth. It's saying, you're not going to shove immorality in. Uh, You're not going to teach my children to not be integrous. You're not going to teach my children to, to live a certain way, to look at life a certain way and get them to believe that that's the truth, that that's the narrative that they're supposed to follow. No, I'm gonna take a stand, I'm gonna teach them the truth, and not only that, but when I get around other people, I'm gonna proclaim and speak the truth that I believe. And if they don't like me, they don't like me. I'm not here to try to win everybody over. I'm here to take a stand for God and believe that God is with me. And if people like me, then praise the Lord then let's yoke up, let's link arms together. And the Bible says two can do more damage than one, right? One put a thousand, two put 10,000. As churches, we should be arm to arm together, no division, no uh, disruption, but we should stand together for what's right and what's truth in the land and not allow for the government in this false reality of what authority is in America. Oh, well, they're an authority, so you just have to do what they say. No, the people are in authority and the people rule in the land because that's the way we set up our system. So people get to choose. And when they corrupt the system and they want to go in there and and try to take the power away from the people, then you better get ready because if you're laying down, you're going to get stomped on, you're going to lose, and they're coming for your freedom. And I'm telling you right now, just because you're a Christian, if you buy into the lie that you're supposed to lay down then I would encourage you to go back and study the Bible. Go back and actually press in and lean into the Lord because God has called you to, to stand out and to take a stand. And that doesn't mean that you're going out with violence. I'm talking about an inward witness, to be a witness, to be like an Elijah. Go back and study these great men of God, Moses, who stood against the, the authority of the land and had a word and had a voice, and God backed them supernaturally. It's all throughout the Bible. Don't water down my Bible. Don't water down my Jesus. He's awesome. He's awesome. And he has called a generation to have a voice and to take a stand for him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.